Look all through the Bible. The men that God chose. The Bible says, and Samuel was not ministering for him, but Samuel was ministering to him. Do you know how many times I've sat and God goes, Isaiah, you minister to, for me a lot, but how often do you minister to me? How often do we come to the house of God as the watchman that God has set up in America and say, God, over and over in scripture, you made it clear that you were not pleased with our gatherings. In fact, here's what he told Malachi. He said, oh, Malachi, I long and I wish that you would shut the temple doors and you would stop lighting useless fires. He goes, you're having service and you're shouting, which I love. Please don't stop. I get nervous when you're quiet. He goes, I love the shouting. I love the excitement. I love the falling over. He goes, but what value did that have to the drug community of Lakeland? What value does your fire have to your old friends and your old girlfriend and your old boyfriend and the college campus you go to and the people around you? He goes, they're around you. They're demonized. They're hurting. They're broken. Friend, do you know my prayer tonight? I was praying and I was just at a big church this last week. And, you know, I... Well, I'm not even going to go there. But I, I was praying and I was saying, Lord, I got, I got to come here. And the Lord just said, Isaiah, I'm going to release something on this place. Not just for the house, but for America. And it's called the gift of tears. It's called being broken before God. I mean, at what point are we up all night, not on Instagram, but being broken over our family that goes to hell? I asked myself that this week. I said, when's the last time I stay up till 2 in the morning crying out for my loved ones that are going to die and go to hell? That right now, if I were to stand in the judgment seat of Christ and I saw them in that line, when the Bible says we will all line up, friend, there is two judgments. There is a white throne judgment where you are either going to heaven or hell. Your name is either in the book or it's not in the book. There's no maybe category. There's no you are a good Christian category. There's no you tithe category. There's no pastoral category. Just because you got a Bible degree does not mean your name was written down and there is a separation second judgment will be the judgment seat of Christ where God says I'm going to test your works in fact that's why when Paul was trying to tell Timothy how to motivate people to do the ministry how to motivate people to serve he goes command them to be rich in good deeds he goes you have to tell them something that it is not okay that we sit on our hands all week long with no fruit in our life and then convince ourselves because Jeremiah or one of the leaders here climbed the mountain for us that we have created an illusion in the church that because they climbed the mountain, we climbed the mountain. So I come and I hear him preach and I come under delusion. What's the delusion? The delusion is this. I think I'm doing what he's doing. I think I'm praying when he's really praying. Oh man, I got a word from God and then all week I don't talk to God. Why would I go to the mountain if somebody else could go with me? From there is a shift coming to the body of Christ where the Lord is convicting pastors in their sleep. I am not okay with the fact that another pastor just a couple nights ago commit suicide in my state of a church of 6,000. I am heartbroken going, God, what is happening in the American church where the enemy somehow has infiltrated and now I hang out with pastors and it is more common now to drink than to not drink. Back in the day, you were labeled apostate if you drank in the house of God. 
I'm not going to name denominations, most of them. Now it's normal to drink in the house of God. It's normal to. We're just trying to make sure we don't step on anyone's toes, just like the snowflakes of America. I just, I don't want to offend anybody. Oh, I was supposed to say that. We're on Facebook Live. My bad. Apologies. God will forgive me later. I don't want to step, and I don't want to offend. And that same spirit that the world has, where if you eat meat, they're offended. If you say this, they're offended. If you go there, they're offended. If you tie your shoe double knot, they're offended. If you wear the wrong color, this they're offended have you used the wrong bow I mean it's everything everyone is offended about everything and so America goes let's water it down and let's not offend them the problem is the church was never meant to run like America he said I don't want to preach that when you come and preach Isaiah people are uncomfortable you know one pastor told me Jeremiah who's never brought me back since praise the Lord hope he's watching on Facebook live he said I, he brought me out a couple times he said Isaiah you know it's hard for me when you come and I'm like man this guy's bold I said why he said because every time you come my people question their salvation after they come up to me and say well, pastor we you know we watch the movies he preached about we drink what he talked about we do all the things he talks about I don't even know if I'm saved I said pastor and I turned to scripture where they follow Jesus and Jesus said unless a man sells everything lays everything I'm talking about selling everything which none of us have done unless a man sells everything he's not worthy to follow me and then the disciples response was this then who in the world could be saved when Jesus did not tell the rich young ruler you should be on the board of the church because you own a couple restaurants and you know how to run a, a business but not a church. Jesus said if you don't lay everything down if there is idols in my heart you're not ready. I'm not asking you to come to the altar. I'm telling you you're not prepared. I don't see the outside. Remember the man approached Jesus on his knees. On his knees. We don't even approach Jesus like that. We don't even come anymore. There's no longer talk of coming to the house of God prepared. Were you prepared when you came tonight? Prepared for what? To enter in the presence of God. You think you can go into the temple in the Old Testament and just come with whatever little sacrifice and go, oh, well, you know, I guess my little 5% will do. And I guess my, you know, God told the people, he said, I'm tired, Jeremiah, of your lame sacrifices. He goes, your sacrifices are lame. Your praise is lame. Literally, the, the animals were literally lame. They decided that they were going to give God the leftovers of their life. And I am tired. I made a commitment this year. I said, God, I am tired of giving everyone else the best of me and giving you the rest of me I am tired of giving my boss all my energy all my time no problem picking up an overtime shift but God forbid we go overtime on Sunday no problem what do you need boss you need me I'm no problem I got the company car I got the gas card I'm going man you'd be committed too if God would that was that but you understand you're not gaining a reward on earth you are gaining that is why Paul said he said you got to realize you're laying up treasures in heaven here's a prophetic word for you if you don't want to labor for them labor for you labor because you're selfish there are days where I'm just selfish I'm just I don't even feel it but I'm just gonna do it because I want more treasure because there is coming a day where all of my works will be be tested with the fire of God and God is going to say is there value in the life that you lived is there eternal value have you lived your week I'm not talking about two hours 168 hours every single week from week to week and we're focused on two two of them 
I'm, I'm me too, not you. I have a church. I'm a pastor of a church. I pastor a church. I meet and I do just what we do. So I'm not talking just to you. I'm talking about the way that we do church in America is not found in scripture because we're trying to figure out how could we get them to live right for two hours? How could we get them to shout right for two hours? How could we get them to pray? That is why all the way home, we're yelling at our kids. Our marriages are messed up. We are turning to alcohol and vices and drinking and prescription drugs. The American are flipped upside down because our goal is not how do I take these two hours and affect 166? It's that we come and we just worry about two hours and as long as I live right. But God, our God, goes, I'm not judging the two hours. I am judging the 166. I am longing for watchmen that would stand on the wall of America. For and I believe that we are headed towards a great storm in America. But there will be a revival like the nation has never seen. I'm believing for a third great awakening. We can't, we can't settle for revival tomorrow. We can't, that's why God brought you here from all over. My friend, Pastor AJ, love you so much. Came from Fresno. To, I preached for him two hours away from me. I was at my merch table. I didn't know he was coming, and I'm sitting there doing my merch. From California, two hours away, he pastors a church, and I turn around, he's standing at my table. I'm like, what are you doing here? You must have family. You must be on vacation. You must be going to Legoland. I'm thinking like, what? And he goes, no, I flew all the way here. God told me I need to be here. God's been speaking to me that there are watchmen raising up. There are watchmen that God says, I'm going to use you to keep the spiritual climate of the church. See, the Bible says, although a righteous man falls seven times he rises up again and the American church may have fallen but I believe it's going to rise again I believe I'm preaching positive y'all better shout right there I believe we're going to be a church that prays again we're going to be a church that fasts again we are going to be a church on our knees where it's going to be commonplace for God to dwell in his church it's coming a day where I'll be outside the church knocking trying to get back in you know how I know? Any, any revival meeting you do, and I'm not bashing conferences. Praise the Lord, I'm at a conference. Come on, help me, somebody. But you have to now, if you're trying to do a massive conference and bring, bring all these people in and do these arena events, which all whatever, all these things we're doing and all these events, you have to get all the grace. Any church, I'm not just talking about arena. I'm talking about any ch- mega church. If you want to pack it out, you have to get all the major speakers. You have to get all the guys with new revelation, all the guys that have over 10,000 followers on Instagram. I mean, now you could be anointed, but if you don't have a big following you're not going to get invited because we're not worried about whether you could pray we're worried about whether people like your personality and the American church was never meant to be run on personality it was meant to be run on the presence of God I want to be here tonight not to see what I could get from Moses I want to climb the mountain myself and say what could I get from God what could I get from your presence God how could I please you tonight how could I please you the next three days I'm not even worried about what you're going to do for me. I'm worried about what box can I break. I want to pour out my alabaster box. I want to wash your feet. I want to wa- I want to know you. I want to be with you. I want to rest at your feet because the shot in the arm conference, it'll get you fired up temporarily, but the problem is not catching fire. The problem is keeping fire. You can keep fire for three months, four months, five months. Friend, this is the only thing 
right here that is going to sustain your passion. This is the only thing that's going to sustain your fire. You could YouTube video preaching all day. You could listen to all my flash drives. And I appreciate it, but I know people right now that are at the club that listen to all my flash drives. Listen to every one of your messages. And then they're at the bar the next week backslid. I'm going, you heard the message, but you didn't live the message. You are a watchman temporarily. God has set us up as watchmen, as watch women, which isn't a word, but we're just going to say watchmen. It works for both. And the problem is we are so busy on the wall. It's not that we're not on the wall. It's not that we're not in the church. It's that we are not paying attention to the proper things. He goes, I'm going to put you on the wall so that you could be sounding the alarm when the enemy tries to infiltrate. See, but the watchmen have fallen asleep. The watchmen are too busy texting on the wall. We are too busy Netflix on the wall we got bored with spiritual warfare and so we have made a demonic theology that says Christians can't have demons and demons aren't for today and they're not real and they're just out there at the drug house and God goes no the demons are very well alive in my house and I'm looking for watchmen that would stand up that would have eyes in the spirit would have ears in the spirit and say my battle is not the local church it's the enemy but what happens when the church doesn't fight? You know what we do? We exchange swords for pacifiers. I, Jeremiah has a bunch of babies. I got a bunch of babies. I have a two, three-month-old. And when she starts crying and she's hungry, you know, we don't have food nearby or my wife's over there doing something, grab the pacifier, put the pacifier. Well, I, I, I started researching this because I'm, I'm looking at all these pacifier preachers in America, and I'm going, what is up with the church just trying to pamper everybody and spoon and just pacify and, you know, don't talk about this and don't talk about that and don't talk. I'm like, Pastor, why don't you just send me a list before I get there of all the scriptures I'm not allowed to use? I mean, because you're telling me I can't do that, can't do that, don't offend them there. And this, I'm going, God said, I'm the rock of offense. Sinners were not supposed to be. I am so glad that eight years ago, I walked into a church like this, sat in the very back, and I was the most uncomfortable atheist in the room. And it was that uncomfortableness that drew me to the altar. I don't want a church where demons are comfortable. I don't want a church where the devil's excited about our meetings. I don't want the devil to be like, yeah, that's great. I'm glad you're doing another conference. The Bible says the demon leaves and goes and finds dry places. I don't want to be what attracts the devil. I want to attract the presence of God. I want, the, I want my worship and I want my praise to invoke the presence and the power of God. I want divine encounter. See, we are spiritual portals and we are either releasing the kingdom of God or we are releasing the kingdom of darkness. You are made an access point from the spiritual realm. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray, our Father, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You got to pray that I'm the access point that his kingdom's able to come through and if I'm living my life asleep on the wall where is he going to manifest God I want you to manifest in my marriage where God I want you to manifest in my family he goes where you don't give me any time you spend your whole day on your Netflix, on your Hulu, on your Instagram, at your job, at your thing, buying this, buying that, going there, taking your family out, missing this because you got to, you know, be normal. People say, yeah, you just need to settle down a little bit. Thank God I have friends like Jeremiah that are like, just keep going. Don't settle down. You need to just keep the fire going. And, they, you know, you need to go be normal. Let your kids have a normal life. And the problem is your normal pastor and my normal is completely different. Your normal is to have coffee and donuts on Sunday morning, five-minute altar calls where nobody gets healed, nobody gets delivered, no one gets raised from the 
the dead where we leave thinking our sin is okay. We leave being justified thinking because I prayed a prayer, I'm saved. And I want my kids normal for their shadows to fall and heal the sick. I want my kids normal like Jenny Weaver's daughter. I want my daughters waving flags saying, devil, you ain't touching this. I might only be five or six years old, but I got the same spirit that raised Christ. Maybe the issue is your normal is not the Bible's normal. So we don't read it. We don't have nothing in common. That's why you grown women in here would not be reading Auto-Tuner magazine. Well, you know, you wouldn't read it. Why? Because I'm not interested in what it has to say. I have nothing in common with a car magazine. I have nothing in common with a cooking mag. I mean, I'm not going to read it if I have nothing in common with it. If I can't relate to it, we don't open the Bible. We can't relate to it. We read the scriptures and we read these, oh man, fire came down and oh, this came down and it's this far off thing. Yet we don't realize that the Bible says in the New Testament that Elijah was a man just like us. In fact, Elijah was under the old covenant. Jesus said it himself at John the Baptist. He goes, the least of the new covenant will be even greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist being the greatest prophet of the entire Old Testament that preached repentance. And Jesus says the most lukewarm, the most watered down, the most anemic, powerless Christian is going to be even greater than the most powerful prophet of the Old Testament. Friend, you are under a new covenant where you have life. You have life more abundantly. You have access and to spiritual place to bring down powers, to bring down principalities. Yet we'd rather have pacifiers. Make me feel good. Make me feel better about the way that I live. Make me feel better about the fact that I don't live my life for Christ and I'm not desperate. Guys, I am not perfect. In fact, I'm probably the weakest person in this room. I'm probably the one that struggles more with this than any of you in this room. I was in my hotel since 4 o'clock pacing back and forth saying, God, I need a fresh touch. I can't live my life from conference to conference. I prayed tonight. I said, God, I need you to encounter me first. I said, God, I am weak. And God goes, Isaiah, every time you're weak. Guys, there have been times, and I'm going to be open and transparent, before I've gone in the conferences where I have laid on my face or I have cried in my office. I can't tell you how many times saying, God, I'm not qualified. I'm not equipped. I can't do this. I don't want to get up there and preach. I don't want to share your word. But then the Jeremiah switch, you ever heard of that? The Jeremiah switch turns up in my life where I go, but there is a fire that is shut up in my bones that I am weary of containing. Oh God, I pray tonight, would you release a a fire in this place that is all-consuming, that would burn the idols, that would burn the flesh, that would help me to remove the pacifier and say, I want the meat of the word. Pacifiers, here's what they do. They trick your brain into thinking you're getting fed, but never getting any nutrients. So you know what we do? We come to church, and we look at the screen, and we get our three points in a poem about a God we don't even know. And we read and we go, oh, look how awesome. A new revelation. Another revelation to give me chill bumps. Another revelation to post on my Instagram story. Another notebook to fill up. And we get excited and we go to conferences like this. And then we leave and we never change. Because we just have that, 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 that mind trick where we think, oh, because I read it, I live it. And the Bible says in James, don't deceive yourself. Do not allow the spirit of deception to come on you. Thinking that because you hear the word, you are actually doing the word. You could be like Judas and sit under the best preaching. I'm glad that we are in a house tonight that you get filet mignon every single week. And I watch you on Facebook Live so I know how good the teaching is here. But then I stand on judgment day and God goes, what's your excuse? 
What's your excuse for sleeping on the wall tonight? Oh, yeah, some of you, you're sleeping, and you, and you don't even know it because you're so comfortable in your sleep. And you have a Wi-Fi on the wall, and you have a bed on the wall, and you're kind of just chilling, and you're like, you're a watchman, but you're watching the wrong things. You're just worried. Oh, look at what she wore. Look at what so-and-so's doing. Look what pastors. I don't like the way the sound. I don't like the way they turn them on. I mean, you're looking at all these things. What about so-and-so and why doesn't so-and-so do that? And worried about everything else. And our fight has become with each other. I'll tell you why the church is fighting the church. We were made for war and spiritual battle. And when we are not fighting the enemy who is our who our battle is against, we'll fight what we see and what we see is each other. But God goes, I want to open up your eyes. Listen, Pastor, I want to give you vision for your ministry. I believe Pastor AJ God brought you because he's going to release new vision. He's going to release impartation. He's going to open up your eyes. I'm praying as well. I came to receive. I told Jeremiah, I, this is not work for me. There's places he goes, he knows. You're like, oh, God. I got to go there, and I already know I'm going to be on the plow, and I'm going to be pushing. No one's going to be excited, and God's, no, everyone's going to be dry as last year's bird's nest, and I'm just going to be pushing and tired and weary and thinking, I don't know how I even got that. How did I end up in this church? I said, Jeremiah, that's not when I come here. I come as family. I come as a son of this house. I've come to receive from what you guys have. I came with eyes open, ears open, saying, God, you're doing something in Lakeland. You're doing something in Florida. There is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and I'm tired of the pacifier. I want eyes to see. I don't want to be asleep on the wall. I want to get my head off of this and put my head on this. I started thinking about this. Why we are the state of what we are. We've replaced this with this. I told our team, we're a young church. There's a lot of young people in this room. And I started realizing after seven years, that's not the right, that's my flashlight. After seven years of ministry, I look around, including me, I'm going, there's not a Bible in this room. I mean, there's like two or three from people that are like over 60. But in my church, I'm going, nobody carries your Bible. Everybody has it on their phone. Everybody just walks around. And I started challenging our people this year because the Lord showed me. He said, Isaiah, much of the battles you fought last year and much of the battles that are happening in the American church is because the enemy will always target easy prey. And he will attack you when he's not threatened by you or he's not afraid of you. If you were going to rob somebody and you knew that they were carrying a firearm on their hip, you would never rob that person. You are only going to attack that which is unarmed. And because the enemy knows the church is not armed, the enemy knows that we don't carry our word, we don't wear our armor, and we don't know the word. He goes, well, that's an easy target. And he just picks on us, picks on us. And for many of us, I hate to say this, but much of the spiritual warfare we're dealing with is fighting demons we invited over. The Lord told me that in December. He said, much of the warfare happening in the church is not gaining territory. It's a treadmill type of warfare. You can be on a treadmill sweating all you want and never go anywhere. And you can look at the screen and go, well, I've ran three miles. And be sitting in the same place in the gym that you were when you started. Thinking that because I'm making noise, I'm sweating and I'm running. You could run all you want. The Israelites did it for 40 years. It's called running in circles. The scariest book of the Bible is Numbers. 36 chapters. 40 years have passed from Numbers chapter 1 to Numbers 36. And the children of Israel have not progressed one bit. They have been in the same place for 40 years. And I do 
don't want to be going to conferences and being a watchman, but never growing in the things of God. I hear the Lord saying this year is a year to go deeper. This year is a year to transcend, to get out of the chicken coop and to begin to soar with eagles and say, I've never been meant. I'm not going to take much longer. But when this becomes the golden calf of the church. This is the golden calf of the church. Every one of us spend mo- majority of our day. Don't lie. Come on, y'all. I'm with you. I'm with you. I have to all day. Get off. Get off. Turn it off. Stop. Why? I mean, it's like this thing is just attached everywhere. I'm wondering, and, I'm, and God began to sh- show me last week. He says, hey, you know what's going to bring revolution? When you begin to treat my word like you treat your word. You are so obsessed and so addicted to what the culture's saying and what everyone's saying in the news and this and that. And you are so enamored by the glimmer and the glamour of Sodom and Gomorrah. And you think, Isaiah, because you're not in the city, that you're not going to be under the judgment. But you got to realize God did not just destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says he destroyed the outward plains as well. Those were the people that lived outside the city, but were enamored by what was happening in the city. And I'm going, God, would you begin to cut away every area of my life that is draining me, every area of my life that is zapping my passion, that is zapping my fire, and Causing me not to have eyes what the, on what the enemy is doing. We don't need to worry about the enemy. You're, you're, mm, 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 help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. We have now people writing books about how we don't have to engage in spiritual warfare. And I'm going, what Bible are you reading? You get in the Old Testament. The, if the Old Testament was a movie, it wouldn't be allowed in theaters. I mean, the entire Old Testament was people being murdered by jawbones of donkeys. I'm talking about guys killing so many people. Their hand got stuck, and they couldn't let go of their sword because their hand was stuck from slaying thousands. And then you go to the New Testament, and Jesus goes, the violence didn't change. The dimension changed. And not, no longer are we violent in the natural. But there is a new war I present you, and it's called a spiritual war and I want you to be violent and I want you to fight I just want you to do it in a different dimension for our battle is not what it was in the Old Testament but it is powers and principalities, spiritual hosts of not not just oh I'm, I'm just dealing with this no you're fighting a demonic power and there's no way our families are going to get free. There's no way America's going to get free. This whole thing of abortion, people smiling as they sign the bill, that's not a natural thing of, oh, well, what if women are this? It is called a demonic spirit, and his name is Herod, and he's not a new spirit. He's been around since Moses was a baby, and he's been killing the destiny of the people of God ever since. How do we fight him in the spirit? I fight my battles with the word of God. I fight my battles with the arm of God. I got to begin to put it on and say, I'm ready to be the watchman God's called me to be. God says, Isaiah, your life would change if you begin to treat your Bible like your phone. All day long, checking for messages. I mean, all day long. All day long, we're going, scrolling our life away. Thumb arthritis, neck arthritis. I have neck pain. I'm going, because your life, 95% of your life has your head down. And I'm like wondering, you got to understand, the spiritual war that we're talking about as watchmen and the battle that we're fighting even this weekend in this room is a battle in the air. The devil is the power of the air. The spiritual war happens in the second heaven above us. The spiritual war is not happening down here. And when you spend 80% of your time with your head down, then you are spending most of your time not worried about 
where the battle is, but you got to realize there is a spiritual battle that God is calling you tonight to enlist in. There is a war in the spirit. I'm not talking about making excuses. I'm talking about making war. And I don't have the luxury to sit on the sidelines because my lack of warfare discourages the other people in the church. Moses said, uh, are you just going to sit there while your brothers fight the battle? Why, do I, why did Moses want them to, why did, why did he want them to fight? Here's why he wanted them to fight. Because he knew if they didn't fight, other people were going to look at them and go, well, I guess we don't have to do all that. I guess we don't have to be a part of the school. I guess we don't have to come early. I guess we don't have to pray. I guess we don't have to fast. I guess we don't have to be at every single gathering. You ask any great revivalist or read revival history, and you'll find the same quote from the beginning of time till now. Never miss a gathering because it might be the moment where God begins to show up. See, what we call in the church mundane, God calls faithful. You might think that it is mundane to show up week in and week out. But God says, I qualify and I anoint those that are faithful. I anoint the Zacharias that never did anything special, but just kept showing up to the house of God. Just kept showing up to the presence of God. Because this might be the night where God births destiny in my life. Now, if I leave my phone at home, you better believe we're turning the car around and going back to get it. I don't care if I'm halfway to Texas. Honey, we're going back. Why? Because I left my phone. Well, why do you need it? What if I need to get in touch with somebody? What if I need to contact somebody? You want to know why God's not talking to you? Because you're not spending time listening to his voice. God never speaks to me. I'm going, do you read your, oh, uh, once in a while? I mean, what, what's your favorite? Well, I don't know. I know all the football players. I know the quarterback, but I don't know anything about the Bible. And I know the new verse that came out of the new May. I know all this stuff about all the things the culture's doing. And then I'm going, okay, well, what about Hezekiah? What about Nehemiah? What about Jeremiah? What about, and you're going, well, what team do they play for? I mean, I don't know. Are, is, that a, is Jeremiah running back? I mean, is Hezekiah the new quarterback for my, and we're just, we're just so lost when it comes to the spiritual realm and God goes what would happen if we begin to turn off our devices and say God I know you don't know this this is this is crazy I'm about to close but let me just show you this you see that watch this this is so crazy every phone has this feature you see this I mean that is just did you know that people people literally don't know how I didn't I didn't even know how to I'm not lying a week ago I didn't know how to turn my phone off I got the new iPhone 13.75 and I was going I don't even know how to turn this thing off and I'm sitting there clicking this I mean we are so so enamored so just so uh, addicted to this thing that we don't even know what it's like to turn off this and say I'm going to turn on this and I'm going to get in the secret place and I'm going to get back on the wall Ezekiel 33 describes that as watchmen on the wall it is our job when the enemy is coming, if I could get the worship team up, it is our job when the enemy is coming to sound the alarm and to have our eyes on the enemy and to be prepared to warn and to rebuke and to reprove and to preach the word. It's not just my pastor's job. Here's what God told Ezekiel. He said, Ezekiel, if you see the enemy and you don't warn the people, watch this, and the people die, the blood will be on your hands. So let me close by asking you this. Whose blood is on your hands tonight? Because just this last week, I was so just, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was spiritual anxiety. I was in my office, and I was starting to reflect on all my old friends I used to party with. I can't hang out with you anymore. I don't party. And I just 
completely cut all of them off. Thinking about my ex-girlfriend I was with for four years, broke up with a text message. Thinking about cousins I have that I have not reached out to, Jeremiah. Family members I have not reached out to. I have not called. My grandfather passed away this week. Yesterday was his military burial. I came straight from the burial site to the airport to come to here. And I'm beginning to reflect on family members, beginning to reflect on friends. And I'm saying, God, what kind of watchman am I? What am I watching? Am I, am I a watchman that spends my time watching this? Or am I a watchman that spends my time watching this? Saying, God, I need you to speak to me here. I I need your word. I need to go from being concealed carry Christian to being an open carry Christian. I need to walk around and say, devil, you could try to come at me, but I got the sword of the Lord, and I'm going to begin to fight my battles. I'm going to begin to make war for my family. I'm going to begin to quote the word of God over my life. I'm not spending another year fighting battles unarmed. I'm going to arm myself with the word of God. Say, God, would you addict me? Oh, we're all scared. Don't use that word. Would you addict me to this the way I'm addicted to this? What? I mean, let's just be real. Now, some of you are super Christians, and you need to pray for me. But the majority of us, including me, first thing I do when I wake up, who texts me? Who called me? Last thing I do before bed, let me see my Instagram. Let me check my Facebook. Let me check my Twitter. I mean, just all day. And I'm going, and God's going, where are you? Adam, where are you? You used to be right here. Do you know why you couldn't find, do you know why God went looking for Adam? Because he wasn't next to him. And God was going, Adam, you're always next to me. The Bible says they walked together in the garden. They walked side by side. And one day God's walking. And he's going, yeah, look at this tree. I mean, look, look at these animals. This is crazy. Look at, look, at this, look at this animal is about to do. I mean, this animal, look how ridiculous that looks. I mean, what? And God looks over and God goes, Adam, where'd you go? I mean, we've spent our every day of our, it was me and you. I mean, where are you? Now you've gone and you're, you know what you're doing? You're hiding. That's why you're on Facebook all day. You're hiding. Because you can't deal with the fact that you don't have a relationship with God. You can't deal with the fact that you're going through depression. You can't deal with the fact that the God that delivered you the first time, friend, look at me, I'm about to set you free. He could deliver you again tonight. We get delivered, including me. I got delivered from pornography since I was 12 years old. Alcohol. I drank almost every day for over a year. Got delivered. And you know now when we fall back into old vices, we don't think God could deliver us. So what do we do? We hide. Why? Because God already delivered me. And I'm going, is his blood run out of power? I mean, is his mercy, is it like the grace of God is out? God goes, the same way, Adam, I delivered you before. I could deliver you again. But you have to come out of hiding. You have to stop hiding behind your social media page. You have to stop hiding behind your Netflix shows. You have to stop hiding behind your Hulu account. You have to stop hiding behind who you think you are on social media. Oh, we're so, we're so good. We're so good, huh, at acting like we have it all together on social media. You know, I know why I don't post. I mean, I should. Hey, guys, it's Isaiah Saldivar here uh, coming at you live. Me and my wife are arguing. I want to show you guys our argument. Honey, I can't believe this. I can't, like, I mean, it's, look at this, guys. Look at this. Look at Look at no flowers, haven't bought her flowers in six months. Look at uh, empty. Look at our house. It's a mess. I mean, my kids, I got three kids under four, okay? Look at, and we're just filming it. We don't, we don't, none of us do that. But you go on the Facebook page, oh, look, they were at another dinner. 
he bought her flowers again. I'm like, no, it's just I only post when I buy her flowers. Praise the Lord. We just start posting empty, nothing, got nothing. Got nothing for Christmas, got nothing for Valentine's. Look at look what my husband got me, nothing. Thank God my wife does not do that. But you know what? We just hide behind this facade. And the word of the Lord came to a church called Sardis, and he said this, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. And you know what's crazy? You've convinced everybody that, you, that you're alive. And you're, I, I've gone to my hotel room in tears going, God, I need you to touch me. Because everybody else thinks I'm this when I know deep down inside behind the costume who I really am. And I'm no different than the guy at Chuck E. Cheese that dances around in the mouse outfit, but on the inside is broken and hurting, and they see the costume, and they see the outfit, but God goes, I'm tired of the costume, and I'm tired of the outfit. I want to see who you really are. Who are you outside of Facebook? Who are you outside of Instagram? Because I can't anoint the fake you. I can't anoint, people go, oh man. Isaiah looks like the church is doing awesome. Like, praise the Lord. It's not been meetings every day trying to put out fires trying to deal with my leaders that have been with me since the beginning talking bad about me trying to deal with people in my church committing sexual sin in the church did you hear me right now all these things happening in the ministry oh but go on our facebook page at the awakening 209 look at all the thousands of people look at all guys it's all a facade i want you to look at your phone tonight and say it's all a facade do i see my life in this book can I open up my scriptures and go, this is who I am. I really do believe this. I really believe I could pray and God responds with fire. I really believe that the Holy Spirit is a person that wants to dwell with me. I really believe that this life and this man is worth giving everything for with everyone in this room standing to their feet. Here's the Lord calling us. It's time for the watchman to wake up tonight. It's time for the watchman to come out of hiding. I'm going to challenge you with something I challenged my church. This year, trade this for this. I preached, I told my wife, we're buying, we bought little Bibles for my daughters that are two and four with little carrying cases. And you know what? We go to church, we all have our actual Bibles with us. Wave in the air like you just don't care. I mean, we bring it. Why? I'm not going to battle any longer without my word. I'm not going. I'm tired of going without weapons and then going, well, I don't know why the devil eats my lunch every day. I don't know why I'm always getting spit on by the demons. I don't know why I lose every battle I fight. It's because I'm fighting with fist against an enemy that has multiple weapons. But God says, I have given you a weapon that no darkness could prevail against. I've given you a weapon that will take your event and turn it into a lifestyle no I don't ever plug my merch because I just don't but I brought two huge suitcases so if you want to sew into the ministry after service go buy a shirt I don't really like them there's lots of homeless people that would love to wear revival lifestyle shirts okay just go buy one give it away to somebody if you're in this place tonight and you say, Isaiah, I need to be awake. I'm going into this conference with a new passion, with a holy addiction to prayer. I've been praying, God, I, I want to be addicted to this thing. I want to be addicted to your word. I want to be addicted to prayer. I want I, I, I want to crave the way that I used to crave for loco. Come on, college kids, you better hear me. The way that I used to crave alcohol. I want holy cravings for the presence of God where you would draw me into the secret place. 
where you would draw me into the word of God, where when God looks next to him, I'm right by his side. If you're in this place and you say, I want my fire, I want my passion, and I want a newfound love, I'm trading this for this. Come out of your chair and come to the altar. Come on, all over this room. If you say, God, give me the, give me the gift of tears. Give me the gift of brokenness. Come on out of your chair tonight. Give me the gift of brokenness. Come on, the watchmen are rising up. Some of you might be weary. The Lord shows me you're weary from the ministry, but God's going to refresh you this weekend. God's going to pour into you this weekend. God's going to recharge you this weekend. God's going to give you a new passion. If you're a leader, you're a pastor. You come out of your chair and say, God, fill me up in this place. God, restore me. God, charge me with your power and your anointing. Come on out of your chair. Come on, it's time to find where you're at. God, I'm done hiding. I'm done hiding. I'm done hiding behind Facebook. I'm done hiding behind Instagram. God, I want to know you, and I want to know you for real. God, I'm tired of the reputation. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And I have this front that everything's okay. God, I'm tired. My marriage isn't working. My kids aren't listening. My business is falling apart. Pastors taking their life because no one was willing to say, how are you really? God, tonight I pray, break off depression off this place tonight. God, break anxiety off every minister in this room. God, break anxiety off of me tonight. God, break stress off of us, God. Come on, tonight's your night. Give him the burden, he says. The Lord says, give him the burden tonight. Give him the burden and he'll give you his burden. God, give us tears tonight. God, it's not okay that I cry at the new movie that came out, but I don't cry in your presence. I don't cry over my family. God, wound our heart tonight. Tear our heart, Lord. He said, don't tear your garment, tear your heart. God, you want the inner man, not the outer man. God, this is all a facade. Go into the deep things, God. The areas we've hidden, God, that secret sin that keeps us up at night. And God, we pray you would break it in the name of Jesus. God, break it in the name of Jesus. God, let it start in the pastors tonight. If you're a pastor or a minister in a church, just raise your hand. Come on, all over this room. Look at this, all over this room. Come on, just close your eyes. God, tonight, start in us. Tonight, start in us. I rebuke every demonic assignment right now of discouragement. I break discouragement off your ministry. I break discouragement off your house. The Lord says, I brought you here. You are an end time watchman. I have called you not to be a pacifier preacher, but to equip my people with the sword of the Lord. God, I pray tonight, break off depression off the ministers in this house, in this place. Break off anxiety, Lord. Break off stress. God, I pray right now, vision be released in this house. I pray destiny be released in this house. God, we are your watchmen. Let our eyes be on the enemy and not on our iPhones. God, let us see in the spirit. Let us hear in the spirit. God, awaken us tonight. God, we cry out. God, we cry out for our church. If you're a leader, just begin to cry out for your church. If you're in this place, begin to cry out for your pastors. God, help the body of Christ. God, raise us up. Break, off, break us out of delusion and deception and thinking we have much, but we have nothing. 
God, right now you're restoring marriages. Come on. God, let it start in my marriage tonight. Come on. God, let it start in my marriage. God, help me to be a better husband. Help me to be a better father. God, help me to be more present, God. Lord, help me to get off of the phone and get in your throne. God, help me not to strive to be in the green rooms, but let me strive to be in the upper room. God, let it start in me tonight, God. Lord, I pray for marriages in this room, Lord. God, restore marriages in the ministry. Restore marriages in the ministry. God, wives that are lonely, God, be there with them. Men that are stressed out, God, be there with them. God, tonight, you're healing the watchman, Lord. It's time for us to stand. It's time for us to wake up out of our slumber. It's time for us to fulfill the assignment. God, raise up watchmen in this place. God, raise up watchmen. God, give us eyes. Break distraction and give us eyes tonight. Come on, let's cry out. We're going to minister. If you're on the ushering team or the leadership team and you've been released by any of the elders of this house, you can help me pray. But if not, we're just going to lay hands. We're just going to prophesy and we're going to minister to some people right now. Just cry out. Let's just ask the Lord to touch us in this place.